0: Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks The What Podcast. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy.
1: Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great show coming up for you. We are joined by Kristen Kerbaugh, the stage manager for the Blazer Broadcasting Team. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are beyond excited uh, to have you. I know we have been, Tara and I have talked, and we've been like, what does she do? Who is she? What's going on when we see you on TV? So we are beyond excited to get to talk to you today. But we usually get things going with a little bit of an icebreaker. And because we got some trade news this week, we're gonna talk about our favorite Bazemore or Tolliver moments since they're moving on from our Blazer family.
0: Anybody wanna get it started? I'll go. I absolutely – I don't know why, but I was always obsessed with Tolliver's tall socks. Like, nobody in the league, I think, has taller socks than Anthony Tolliver. So I was uh, – I'm going to miss the tall socks. And also, I just wanted to – I was there for the game against Charlotte where he went off and scored his 16 points in a quarter. And I am just so thankful that I was there for that because um, – I really enjoyed Anthony Tolliver. You know, he's a really interesting guy. And I think um, he was thrust into a role that he wasn't meant to be playing. And it was hard for him, but he was such a pro and I just absolutely loved it. But the thing that I'll think about when I close my eyes 10 years from now and remember Anthony Tolliver for, it's definitely going to be his tall socks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Kristen? Kristen? Um, Well, yeah, I mean, I can kind of piggyback on that as well. Um, You know, that game versus the Hornets was so much fun um, because one of the things that at least in my role is that, you know, of course we, you know, I get to watch all the main guys play kind of all the time. um, But when I'm consistently hearing really great things about certain players at like the practice facility and whatnot, but then we don't necessarily always get to see it in the game. um, So it's really awesome to see, um, you know, a player like that just come alive and really, um, you know, just light up Moda Center. It was it was a lot of fun um
1: that was definitely a great one i'm gonna go with a bays moment for mine and i'm gonna say baysmore at the memorial coliseum game the preseason game because he came out just going for it i mean full-blown energy energizer bunny style just non-stop and it was so fun to watch Um, And I think that was definitely my highlight, and I was excited for the rest of the season. Um, And then also, I must do a little shout-out to uh, Baze uh, for Halloween. His kid was Clark Kent slash Superman. And if you haven't seen the adorable picture, everyone in the world needs to see it. It is amazing and definitely a highlight of the season for me is that child is Clark Kent. So
0: (laughs) I'm going to miss baby Baze. (laughs) Yeah, we, we all I, – I wish that we could have gotten to know each of them a little more because they seemed in their short time to have an, an impact on the team. But such is life, we move on, and we'll talk a little bit more about the trade later on. But let's start off by getting to know our guest. Yeah.
1: So, Kristen, we like
0: to get started by getting to know
1: yourself, and tell us a little bit about how you got into basketball.
2: Um, yeah, so my – Kind of journey, I guess, to this stage. Um, My family works in television. um, And so for them, I've always kind of just done odd jobs. So, you know, going back to, to gosh, probably like high school, um, I used to drive down to some of the football games at Oregon and um, OSU, and I would hold the parab mics on the sides of the field. So that was kind of my start. (laughs) Um, So I did that for a few years. Um, And then Coming out of that, once I kind of had my license and I could drive, um, I started working as a runner and like a production assistant. Um, and typically, it'd be for some of the larger games. So like if ESPN was in town or TNT, they always have a runner on their show. So that was kind of my my intro, at least with the specifically with the Blazers. Um, And then one season kind of came up and this company was like, oh, we can train you as a stage manager. You're probably not going to work very much because, you know, we just need some extra people in Portland. Um, So I did a year, my first year, I think I maybe worked about six games total. um, And then the very next year, the Blazer Broadcasting position opened up. So it was um, just perfect timing. And then I I have a really amazing job.
1: (laughs) That sounds awesome. So it sounds like you grew up in Oregon. Were you always a Trailblazers fan?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it's hard not to be just, you know, Rip City. I always tell people Rip rip City just runs through your veins when you're born and raised here and you, you know, are hearing the stories of the players that used to work here. And then, of course, um, when I get to be kind of as uh, as submerged, you know, within the within the team and whatnot, as I get to be now, um, it's you. I think the fandom only grows when you when you do my job. (laughs)
1: That's amazing. I think that, uh, I'm so excited to hear about it.
2: Um, so what exactly do you do when you're working for the blazers? That is the question I get asked most often. Everyone's like, I see you, but what do you do? Um, my job, at least as a stage manager, so I'm typically working alongside the, um, announcers. So regardless of what sport it is, you know, we always have, um, typically two different announcers. Occasionally I work with like a sideline reporter, but that's pretty rare. so really just assisting them to make sure they're ready to go, make sure they're camera ready. I usually have kind of the rundown as far as when they're going to be recording certain elements of the show and just making sure that they have all that information. Um, and then alongside of that, I'm really just an assistant to the producer um, being kind of their eyes and ears during the game. Because there's typically things happening in the arena that they might not see um, because they're in you know, like the TV truck and they can only see so much. And then just ensuring, like, or helping the producer ensure that you know they get like sponsor content on the air. And you know, if I see maybe a player get injured, I a lot of times I see that first, so I'll let the producer know or like, hey, so and so is they're fighting, or you know, someone just left the arena. Kind of those little um, those little odds and ends that again they they might not see because they only have certain camera angles. Mm-hmm. So are you doing that
0: by? Um like, are you talking into the microphone to people? Are you like on like a Slack channel telling people that way? How, how is that communication happening?
2: So I basically, um, I do wear a headset um, and I just typically my only communication is with the producer. Um, like there's other, other members of the, um, the broadcast team that might hop on my, hop on my channel, just either communicate something to me or, um, we work with a pretty fun crew. So a lot of times if somebody's jumping on my channel, it's to give me a bad time about something. (laughs) But, but typically it's just the producer that I'm communicating with. What are they giving you a bad time about? (laughs) Oh, they're just, you know, funny when you work with. You know, the same group of people, every game for, for so long. It's, it's a, they're kind of a quirky crew. Sure. I bet. I bet you're like
0: a family. I mean, you're, you, you're like in an, an intense, it, it, it look it seems to me this would be a very intense job to do. Does it feel every night? Like you've just run a marathon.
2: I'm sure for probably some positions it does. Um, mine, I would say, is the least like that, only because it's fairly um, fairly repetitive. My, I'm so lucky in that my producer is, is really highly organized. I've worked with a lot of producers um, in other other teams and other events where they're not at all, and it definitely is completely chaos. <laughs> 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 um yeah, like I say, that's that's one of the probably one of my favorite things about working the show is, uh it is from from my end pretty calm. Um, you know, that's not to say that of course, if there's a technical thing that's going wrong, I'm sure somebody's out there sweating and cursing, but um, it just, just doesn't really impact impact
1: me <laughs> so much. So do you have a favorite part of your job? It sounds like it's fun.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um honestly, I think just being being such a blazer fan um and getting to see sit in the seat that i sit in um you know Mm -hmm. working tell people i go I, i get paid to sit courtside um and do you know do a job that i really enjoy but i get to watch a sport that i love and a team that i love um which is i'd say by far probably my biggest my biggest perk
1: what um so how long have you been doing this for the Blazers?
2: This is, I think, my ninth season with the Blazers. Um, and then I've been working as a stage manager for 10 years overall. So you've gotten to see quite a bit. Um, what, what kind of an, what
1: other announcers have you worked with besides Lamar and Kevin?
2: Um, well, when I started, we still had, um, you know, Mike, Mike Barrett and Mike, uh, Mike Rice. Mm-hmm. Um, so they such a fun duo to be able to work with. Um, outside of that, at least in the TV world, uh, my first season, I was, when I, before I started working for Blazers, I would work for all of the visiting teams that came into town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was actually trying to rack my brain and think of just how, you know, how many th- people that, that were, but you know, some of the big names, like I uh, had a chance to work again with Bill Walton. Um, I've worked with Marv Albert, Mike Green, uh, Mike Fratello, Walt Frazier, um, Dominique Wilkins, Del Curry, wow. um, Oh my God. Sean oh my God. Elliott, uh, Reggie Miller. Um, so yeah, it's really just, um, kind of whoever comes to town, you, you know, you're, you're paired up alongside them. So you got to work with a lot of people. What an incredible
0: list. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Um, can you tell us
2: what any of them were like? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, it's a, you know, it's everyone's, everyone's very professional, you know, um, you have some that, are more laid back and they like to joke around, you know, some that are very, you know, they'll show up and they just kind of want to get right down to business. And, um, so that's, you know, part of, I'd say part of the job too is just being able to kind of gauge how you can best support whatever announcers that you're working with. You know, some mm-hmm. will not want you to talk to them just cause they want to focus. Some really need you to kind of joke with them and keep them, keep them relaxed. Um, so it can it can definitely vary from from game to game. Is there
1: a particular thing that is most difficult when you're trying to work with um, different announcers?
2: Um, probably the most difficult part is every once in a while you you will work with one who you know of course you know, NBA really overall is just a big, a big team, you know, big family. So everyone is kind of catching up with everyone and, um, a while, You'll be with, you know, kind of a chatty Kathy and they like to wander off and go talk to all the people that I know. Um, <laughs> but you know, then here I have a producer who's freaking out cause they're like, we're on air in 30 seconds Where's so-and-so. And so then I'm, you know, running across the court to go grab whoever I need. Um, so that's always, you know, sometimes you kind of have to reel people and keep them on a leash just a little bit or, um, I have worked events where the producer will tell me ahead of time, like, okay, so-and-so has a tendency to wander, you know, just, just just keep an eye on them. (laughs) So I always, I appreciate the heads up. (laughs) So
0: I know what Lamar and Kevin Calabro do. They obviously watch the game and comment on it. I know what Mark Mason does. He's the (laughs) announcer. What are all those other people who are sitting at the front tables doing?
2: Yeah, there's a lot, uh, a lot going on. So on either end of the table, um, each team kind of has similar people working for them. So of course, each one has you know play-by-play announcer and an analyst. Um, Typically, there's a stats person, but like for the actual broadcast um, on for either team, Mm -hmm. Uh, I know on our end of the um, our side, we have um, Jim Taylor, who's our senior VP of communications. He sits sits at the end of our table. Um there are, I think about maybe four or eight season ticket holders that actually sit down there. Um yeah, I know that the four seats next to me are all season ticket holders, and the two two in particular that sit next to me, um, I think they've had their season tickets for you know decades. Um and then outside of that, there are I think there's some stats that go mainly for like the arena, all the in arena stuff. Um there's typically some talent scouts sitting down there. Um, there's kind of a you know a wide a wide range of people. Okay, Cassie, you probably know what I'm going to get to.
0: I know exactly where Tara's going. <laughs> There's one person in particular who sits up there who is my doppelganger. She looks just like me, or she <laughs> did until I decided to grow my hair out because so many people thought I was her. She has very short, dark hair that until recently was dyed blue. And I had very short hair that until recently was dyed red. And everybody knows how much I love the blazers, and people will see me all the time and go, Oh my God, I saw you like sitting right right up in the front row of the blazer game. Yeah. And I'm always, I'm always like, no, that's not me. And then everybody's like face gets like this flash of disappointment goes across it before they like catch themselves. And they're like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. That's not- Who is she? What is she doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, now I feel terrible. Cause I don't actually know what her name is, but she is part of the stats team. She's stats. Okay. I thought she was probably doing stats, which I could never do. Cause I would be so stressed out that um, I got things wrong. So like, she's probably super amazing. But if you see her, tell her that she has a doppelganger. And I always have to tell people that I'm not
2: her. <laughs> and
0: everybody always is sure. very polite about.
1: It. And she's welcome on the podcast too. Yeah, so
2: yeah, for sure. I'll I'll mention it. Um, that's kind of one of the things I feel terrible about because you know there's so many so many different groups of people kind of all working with and around each other. Um, so there's probably you know a hundred faces that I recognize at the game and I know kind of what they do. Um, a lot of times since I don't work with them, I like never know what their name is and then I feel terrible.
0: (laughs) Well, this could give you a, you can give you a chance to go talk to her and tell her we're talking about her on our podcast. (laughs) Um,
1: so one of the things that I always think about when I think about my dream of sitting front court is, am I going to get hit with a ball, which doesn't scare me too bad? Or am I going to have a
2: player land on me? So have (laughs) either of those things ever happened to you? I've never had a player land on me. Um, luckily, you know, I have that big table that checks <laughs> kind of me, which is nice. Um, cause I know some of the camera operators that I do work with, especially the handheld camera operators that sit, that sit court side, um, you know, they just get attacked sometimes they leave <laughs> with cuts and bruises and, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, I've been hit with balls typically, like, cause I get there a couple before game time um so they'll be warming up and whatnot so that's actually when I have been hit with balls before um in game part of my job is kind of like paying attention to the game um so there definitely have been some close calls but I haven't been full on you know just like nailed with the ball yet
1: any other random front court encounters that you've had
2: um gosh I can't think of necessarily anything specific but it is fun um especially now having done this so long you kind of pick up on certain player nuances um Mm -hmm. like you know everyone kind of has their pregame routines that you can look out for um I know there's a year I don't even remember who LeBron was playing for he might might have still been with the Cavs but I was actually working there I was working the visit broadcast and I wasn't aware that he throws rosin in the air
1: Mm -hmm.
2: um which of course everybody knows but somehow I had completely missed it um, so of course, you know he throws it in the air, and then you know all of my paperwork and my clothes and everything are just kind of covered in <laughs> rosin because it happened right in front of me. Um, so little things like that—it is funny. Everyone has their has their pregame pregame rituals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like
0: Lamar and Kevin Calabro are often talking about people like bringing them stuff or Nurkic coming and taking things off the table. Like, what kinds of stuff do they do they,
2: do they have going on in that oh. department? It's hysterical. Yeah. There's usually, um, lots of little shenanigans. And I don't honestly know if this is unique to the Blazers. Cause we typically have a team that gels pretty well together and they're, um, they're kind of funny like that, but yeah, Nurk especially, um, he'll come over. There's always a bag that kind of sits in front of us that has like gum and cough drops mm-hmm. and kind of like ch- little chap, chapstick containers, stuff like that. Um, so Nurk will always make his way down there, act like he's looking for something, and then um, typically when Lamar is looking away or trying to read a monitor or something, Nurk will start throwing cough drops at him. Um, and then of course, you know, like a timeout will be over, and then Nurk has to like scamper back to the bench. Um, but he's always kind of trying to get under people's skin a little bit. It's pretty funny.
0: It sounds like for a variety of pe- reasons, people are very excited to have him back playing. <laughs> 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 kind of like having a little kid underfoot, like, okay, we got to get you back. Then.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a lot of guys who are injured right now sitting on the bench. I mean, does, does that dynamic, can you feel the change when you have so few players playing and so many guys just milling around in suits, probably just itching to get back on the
2: floor? Yeah, it's a little interesting. That's Um, I feel like that's one of the questions you know, i have friends and they'll come up to me like, Oh, what do Blazers have to do this season to yada, yada. And again, like, I don't, I'm not very well versed in any of the trading or the contracts, you know, all of that talk. Um, you know, the one thing I've been telling people, I'm like, well, is like we need people to not be injured, you know? Um, cause it is weird yeah. when, you know, we're starting a game and we had what nine players, I think that were eight or no, mm-hmm. eight players mm-hmm. that were suited up ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> Um, but I don't know the, the bench itself, you know, those guys are over there. I'm sure you guys have seen them, you know, they're, they're still so engaged with the, with the game and with each other. And they're, you know, either kind of keep kind of teasing people and keeping things loose or they're, you know, you can see a lot of kind of player to player coaching. Um, so they're still very much engaged, even though they're, you know, can't physically be out there playing, which is, um, I think as a, as a fan, it's really fun to see.
1: So working on that sideline for so long, you have had a front row seat to some of the most amazing blazer moments of the last decade. Um, were you there for the game five shot? I was. Yes. Oh my goodness. And you were there for the other shot too, right? I was. Yes. Oh my mm-hmm. God. <laughs> Both shots. What, what was going through your mind during the, the most recent one
2: with that OKC? Was- I still remember I was sitting there and kind of looking back in retrospect. I feel like I was like feeling it in maybe slow motion or something, but I remember kind of watching Dame and that's a fairly normal thing. He'll be, you know, way up past the three point line and kind of planning his move. And you see the guys, you know, kind of move out of his way. And so you always know that something's coming. And so I was expecting him to drive to the basket. Um, and then, you know, I'm watching Dame, I'm seeing the clock go down and I'm like, he's running out of time. And then there's a split moment where I was like, he's going to shoot the ball, <laughs>
1: like,
2: crazy, but he's going to shoot the ball. Um, and obviously, you know, we all know what happened as a result of that. Um, but that was just such a fun moment. Cause that's, uh, you know, I'm sure in his mind that was at that moment, it was fully planned, you know, everyone, you know, the, uh, people saying, oh, that's a bad shot. Or that was, you know, mm-hmm. this, that, and the other, um, I think he fully had it planned, um, that he knew, obviously he knows he can make that shot and he just wanted to put the final nail in the coffin. Yeah.
0: What was the immediate aftermath like? Because I mean, we were all jumping around and running around <laughs> screaming, losing our heads, and you had to sit there and work. Like what what do you remember from the immediate uh reaction of the
2: crowd? Um definite I mean it's anytime anything is happening, um, you know, the the fans at Moda, they just get they're all in, you know. Um, like with the Anthony Tolliver night, or I remember, you know, there's a few, few years ago where Jake Lehman had a big night, mm-hmm. um, Moda gets so loud. And so it's such an electrifying atmosphere to be in. Um, but with a shot like James, you know, it's so next level where it's just like chaos and, you know, it's so loud that I can barely even hear the producer on my headset. And so we're kind of like there's fans cheering and stuff going on and I'm yelling like, what, 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 what? I can't, you know, um, and it's just—it's crazy, and it all happens so quickly. Um, I actually have probably that shot, and then the other shot. Um, I ended up with photos where I'm actually standing up and cheering, which I typically don't cheer yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just—it kind of overtakes you. It's um, oh. you know, it's it's too hard to not get involved in it when when there's that much electricity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and that night had two really big moments uh, with Nurkic which was really unexpected. I mean, Damian Lillard hit the shot that won the game, but do you remember when you first saw that
2: Nurkic had entered the arena? Um, yeah, so that – there had been little, like, whispers here and there. Um, you know, we heard through our headset, like, oh, Nurk just arrived because um, the the players park where the TV loading dock is. So, you know, somebody at some point was like, oh, uh, we see Nurk here. We're like, oh, he's probably just going to watch it, you know, somewhere else. Um, and then, you know, you kind of start hearing whispers like, oh, he's walking through the hallways. He's heading towards the arena. Um, so even that just, you know, kind of internally starts building this energy. And then when player, not players, but, um, you know, the fans in Moda Center, once, you know, they start seeing the Nurk's up on the big screen, Um That was really just really cool moment. It makes me think too back when um, after Wesley Matthews was injured, and kind of did the same thing where he was wearing his Iron Mask uh, or Iron Man mask, and you know, same thing. We heard that he was like he's coming into the arena, and you're just it's so fun to sit there and wait to see the fans' reactions when they see that those players are in inside the arena. Mm. I just got chills just thinking about
0: it. It must (laughs) have been amazing to to be there. Well, and then also that game, uh, then he plopped himself in front of you and started doing interviews yeah <laughs> was
2: that, that, like? <laughs> that was one of the moments where he was in front of us and my producer was actually yelling to me like give him that because we usually have a spare headset down there just in case Ke- um kevin real mars breaks mm-hmm. so my producer is in my ear yeah yell- er, you in my ear yelling you know give him the headset give him the spare give him the spare. And I'm going, what? You know, I can't, I can't hear you. And then I finally heard what he said. And so we got Narc all all set up with the other headset. Um, And yeah, it was a really fun moment. And I know it makes for some really, really exciting TV for for fans that can't necessarily (laughs) be at Motor Center and be feeling, feeling all the emotions of what's going on. Yeah, I think
1: I wasn't in the shot. I wasn't in the game for, I wasn't there for that shot. I was there for the Houston one. And it's funny because I still felt, I mean, my neighbors just started lighting off fireworks. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we definitely felt it. <laughs> um, what do you remember from the four overtime game versus Denver? That's just that, a crazy game.
2: Yeah, it was. Um Oh my goodness. There's so honestly, there's so many games that kind mm-hmm. of work together. Um You probably just thought it was never gonna end. <laughs> yeah. I'm just <was> trying to <laughs> If there's anything that like stuck out, I mean, other than you know, it's kind of anytime you go into overtime, um, again, it's kind of I try to stay focused and I try to not let the fan side of me take over, but it's really hard when you're especially when you hit the end of each overtime, um, and then you kind of you know, overtime ends and you, you know, you're going into the next one, you kind of try to compose yourself, so then you have another probably four minutes where I'm like, okay, it's very professional, you know, we're just kind of going. Um, you know, getting, getting it done. But then for that last minute, you know, your adrenaline starts going again and then you really start getting um, invested in the game. And then, you know, you kind of have that same process happening over and over and over again. So you get to a point where you're like, okay, let's, let's close out this game because my, my nerves can't take it anymore.
1: <laughs> so the Blazers have made some recent changes and, and Anybody have any strong feelings about the most recent Blazer trade, where we uh, gained Wenyon, Gabriel, Ka- and Caleb and Ariza?
2: I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see that you know Caleb Swanigan is returning. Um, yep. I know when he left again. I I can't necessarily remember the details of you know of that trade, um, but I do remember feeling like oh he had been really doing some great things for the team. Um, mm-hmm. So you know it's exciting to see potentially maybe what growth he has made and what he's able to offer, you know, what, what additional things he's able to offer us now that he's back with us. Uh, Tara, how
0: are you feeling about it? Well, I, um, I personally, I know that there's a lot of feelings and I think we'll get to it around about Ariza um, because I know a lot of blazer (laughs) fans um, really remember the uh, incident with Rudy Fernandez. I tend to be somebody who tries not to dwell in the past. And so when I first heard that Ariza was coming, I was like, okay, it's going to be tough, but Ariza is part of the blazer team now. And like, there's not going to be time to, I don't know. I personally am totally open to him, you know, being a great contributor to the team or a good teammate. I mean, when you look around the league for the teams that he's played with you know people have said that you know he's a professional he's always like first one in last one out which by the way i don't know how every single player can always be the first one in last one out but anyway <laughs> that's what they say about him and, you know and that he's you know waiting in the he's you know goes over plays in the uh in the locker room and you know that he, there's a lot of good positives. so i personally this is a long way of saying that i am gonna be open-minded about him having like a successful stint here in um in portland um cassidy though how are you feeling (laughs) um so provide a little bit of context for people i was at the
1: game in in march uh 11 years ago when ariza took a pretty big hit on rudy fernandez while he was mid-air um, having him collide to the ground and kind of changing the entire course of his career from that point on. Um, the back injury was real. I think anytime a opposing player doesn't get on the airplane and stays in the hospital room with you, that says something. Sergio Rodriguez did not get on that plane um, with the Lakers to return. He stayed in the hospital with Rudy. Um and I've not been a big Ariza fan since that happened. Um, and the trade is, my first thought was, wow, I am going to need a big dose of Terra positivity <laughs> to get me through this and be on the other end of this um, situation. And then my other thought was, well, maybe we're not done trading. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't keep him. Um that is looking less likely.
0: Uh, well, I think, so, I think both those things can be true. But I mean, my thought on it is it was like a super long time ago. Yeah, and think about how different you are than you were 11 years ago. Yeah, I would. But maybe you weren't. I don't know. I feel like I was, no, pretty I'm pretty different. Very different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty different.
1: So I'm willing to uh, start my uh, healing process way too late in this uh, this pain that I feel from that incident. Uh, So I'm ready to kind of learn more about Ariza and I've been doing more research. So I'm now going down the path of trying to find every good thing about him. So I'm excited to cheer for him. So that is my, my, my state right now.
0: (laughs) Well, and uh, you know, there was a lot of skepticism before Mello came and they're not, you know, obviously the same player, Yeah, but um it's What's it was so weird yeah. is that for so many years, the Blazers were like, you know, we all have guys who are 25 to 28 years old, and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden they have all these guys in their mid-30s. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, Kristen, I'm wondering, like, um when Melo joined the team, oh, yeah. I bet being up close to that, I mean, just for, as a casual observer from far away, it, like, sort of... Uh, Kind of the tenor changes because the people in the audience are a little bit different because now they're watching like I don't call Mellow a superstar, I call him a celebrity um like so have you noticed or what what have you observed since Mellow came that um that you think is interesting
2: um yeah. I mean, I think at first definitely, you know, you hit on the head where he's, you know, he is a, like a celebrity. I mean, not that, you know, obviously all, all of our own players are very well known within Portland. Um, but you know, mellow it's such a big name that I was at first like, Oh, you know, they just, you know, they have the space and they need some players, you know, who knows if he's going to play that much, whatnot. Um, but then actually having such a huge impact on our team mm-hmm. um, and then seeing him out there, like, again, one of the kind of, I get to watch the little nuances, um, I just feel like he is genuinely enjoying himself, um, which is really fun to see that, you know, that a you know, a superstar celebrity, you know, call it what you will, can come to Portland, which obviously is a really small market and just seem like they're really enjoying themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been, I think, just a lot of fun. Um, and then, too, I think, you know, you have fans that are maybe potentially kind of hesitant at first because they're like, oh. You know, he's not going to fit in here. He's too he's too big for us, this, that, and the other. Um, I think they really, I feel like it maybe embraced him, you know. They're like, oh, it's, you know, the is having a great time with us um, and obviously playing really, really well. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah, I was one of those fans. I take it all back. Yes. I'm so happy he's here. <laughs> it's been so fun to watch him and just the pure joy of someone who just wants to be playing basketball. And I think yeah. that was the thing that, like, you can't deny that. It's so obvious that he just is so happy.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'm, we're watching from afar. Um, like, I hear a lot of times about, you know, oh, this player, and I'm not talking about Trailblazers, I'm talking about just like in, around the league or whatever, you know, so and so's unhappy or so and so's not giving any effort. Um, I'm wondering, and you certainly don't have to like name names or anything, but is it, I mean, over the years, like, can you, from being very up close, can you get a feeling about whether or not somebody, you know, maybe isn't as engaged or isn't having as much fun? Cause I'm way up in the 300s, so
2: <laughs> I can barely yeah. see anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's no one that sticks out to me that like, Oh, like, over the course of a season, you could tell that they were unhappy or whatnot. Um, I mean, definitely sitting, sitting where I sit, you know, there's a lot of emotions, even players that are content in Portland, but you know, if someone's having a bad night and maybe if, you know, a coach, you know, brings somebody in and kind of pulls them off the floor. Um, if they're really frustrated, we kind of get the brunt of that. You know, if a player walks off and, you know, kind of slams their hand down on the table, um, you know, we're right there, kind of experience that. And I, there is a kind of player that I can, that I have in mind. Um, and again, I don't know the specifics around it, but um, I personally feel like they weren't really being utilized as well as they should have been. And there was probably an extended period of time where every time they were pulled off the court, um, you could tell that they didn't, that they didn't want to be, you know, they wanted to be on the court and um, they kept getting a chance to really show, show what they were capable of. Um, So our, our little things that, that, like that, that kind of pop up in my mind where, you know, you can tell that there's, maybe a bit of frustration. Um, definitely not not checked out, but just the frustration. What's it like getting to
0: have a front seat to watching Damian Lillard every night?
2: He is incredible. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing that I can say that hasn't been reported on or hasn't been, um, you know, published or whatnot. Um, you know, like I say, I get there two hours before the game starts. So all the players are warming up. Um, but he is, You know just as down to earth as they say he is you know he's there he is interacting with everyone who's on the court whether it's part of the team or not um as soon as he's done with his kind of warm-up regimen um you know he's over there signing autographs and um just um gosh I mean he you know like I say he probably spends as much time sometimes some nights you know chatting with maybe some of the security staff as he does you know with fans and with his teammates and whatnot um so it really is great. Like I say, it's, it's, all, it's all stuff that, that people know, but he's, um, I feel like he's so invested in the team and invested in Portland. Um, and he makes a point of really just kind of getting to know everybody that he can. This might sound like super cheesy, but having Damian
0: Lillard on the Trailblazers, like I personally find inspiring, like just watching the way he has become a leader. And I've been sort of obsessed on this thought all week about how one of the things that I think is so special about him is that he obviously, you know, provides leadership to the team but he also allows that experience to make him even better. You know what I mean? Like he didn't he didn't come into this team with the I don't think with a with the blueprint for how to run it and become a leader. But through experience, he has figured it out. And like, you know, the way that he helped Nurkic find his role and the way that he's helped even guys who are at the end of the bench, you know, find their place. And, you know, back in the old days when he was helping, um, you know, Luis Montero, you know, get his first suit. And just the way that he um, interacts with people, he helps them be their best, but he also shows that he has room for growth as well. And then he goes out and scores 61 points. And It's just like, how do you do so many things and, and be so great and then have this, uh, you know, little boy running around being so cute and paying attention to him too. It's just, I don't know. I just, I, I'm so spoiled. I would, I wouldn't know what it would be like or understand what it would be like to be a fan of a team that didn't have Damian Lord anymore. Like I've forgotten those days. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Um, yeah. And that, that part I mean, is, is incredible to watch because I think too, one of the things that he's been able to do over the years is that, um, you know, he has been our team leader for a long time and he kind of helps create the, create the culture within the team. And, and that's, you know, the, those are the aspects that I don't see with my job necessarily. Um, again, I just, as a fan, I just read the stories and I, you know, hear a lot of things that, um, you know, he even being kind of, you know, he is superstar status. He's, you know, one of the top point guards in the NBA. Um, if, you know, in my opinion, if not the top point guard in the NBA, Mm -hmm. um, but he's still, like you say, the you know rookies will come in and he'll help them kind of, you know, try to find a suit or, or do those little things that, um, really makes people feel like they're, um, like they're really, really welcome in Portland and not just, you know, I feel like it could be easy potentially be like, Oh, well, you're gonna, you know, sit on the bench a lot and this, that, and the other. Um, but really just creating that, that team culture, um, and it, it's probably one of the reasons why that so many, so many players, even as sometimes they're traded away from Portland or they leave Portland, they're still saying really great things about this organization and about this city. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Even after a 61 point game, that post game interview, he brought up just, you know, I'm just playing the game the way that I play the game and I'm trying to get everyone involved and I'm trying to get players, young players involved too. And Mm -hmm. it just, it just carries through at all times. And it's, it's awesome.
0: (laughs) Cassidy, you brought up young players, and I want to ask this question to both of you. Um, now that the Blazers made the trade, and um, we're waiting to find out if they're also going to trade Whiteside, because that was kind of that was what the you know the narrative was at the beginning of the year. A lot of people were saying that both of those contracts were likely to be traded. Anyway, um, does what just the trade that just happened, sending out Tolliver and Baysmore, and bringing in Trevor Ariza? And also two more really young guys. Does it signal to either of you or help you under, not understand, but like kind of set your expectations for what the rest of the season is going to be like? Because I personally love it when I see Damien on the floor with three young guys. Because I really... Pretty sure the Blazers aren't going to be going all the way to the championships this year. And so if they're not, I want to see him playing and helping those young guys develop.
1: I don't know. (laughs) I just want to make the playoffs. I just, (laughs) I think, I just believe there's always, there can always be a Disney ending.
0: I think they can make the playoffs. I just don't know. And then a deep once we're in the playoffs, I strongly believe in a Disney
2: ending. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you that. I, I agree with you there. It's, it's hard to be a fan and not just be like, no, we're going to, we're going to go all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would kill though, to be a fly in the wall in some of those discussions, as far as like wow. the reasoning why they bring people in and, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, areas that they see that they're kind of trying to fill as far as like skill set on the team. Um, there's kind of those aspects that I would just love to, I would love to be a little bit more knowledgeable about.
0: Yeah. I just want, I want more Naz Little. I want more Jalen Horde. I mean, I'm don't get me wrong. I can't wait until everybody's back and healthy. Like I'm hundred <laughs> percent excited for that, but like we don't, I don't have any control over when that's going to happen. So what I'm doing is just crossing my fingers that we get some of these interesting lineups where guys are out there playing and learning at the same time. Cause I think that's interesting to watch yeah yeah
1: and I think Caleb could be really interesting to watch as a part of that young crew I don't know he he has an ability to pass for a big man that a lot of people don't and so to kind of see that again on the floor might be really interesting especially when we see Nurk back and then maybe more of a style of play that we see between the two of them so I don't know maybe
0: well, you know so how sad I was when Scowl went down. Um, yeah. So I will uh, – I think you're right. One of the things that uh, that Danny brought up when we were talking about having Swanigan back is that Swanigan has actually played center for the Blazers. Like he's yeah. played backup center minutes and it's like, oh my gosh, it's been a while since they've had a backup center who is a center. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that will be, that'll be nice to uh, you know have somebody who can switch in and, and play that role. Well, ladies, we've uh, we've gone quite a long time. Um, sorry, <laughs> for keeping it, but you have so many great stories, Kristen. This is awesome. Um, but I did want to shout to share a couple of listener feedback emails that we got, Cassidy. It's we ready. got email, Kristen. We love getting emails because we love hearing from our listeners. And uh, one of the things that we put out there the last couple episodes is that. We had this tagline that was um, elevating the voice of women in basketball and I decided that I, we wanted a, to go with a different adjective than – uh, sorry, a different verb than elevating. We wanted to choose a word that um, conveys like – Women are already here talking about basketball. We just want to like bring it to everybody's attention. So, um, we've got a couple of, um, we got one suggestion on that and then one just fun thing to talk about. So, um, last week we heard from Rob who suggested that we could use the tagline turning up the volume of women's voices in basketball, which I think is awesome. Uh, Kristen, is that, does that, uh, move you to want to listen? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. No, I, I love that. So turning up the volume of uh, Women's Voices in Basketball was from Rob. And then last week, we ha- heard from Lisa. And here's what she said. Yes, I do have a suggestion regarding your tagline. By the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with your current tagline. My understanding is that you want to drop the word elevating. And a thought came to my mind. With each interview you do, it's like you take a highlighter and highlight that person. So why not just tweak your tagline and say this? Highlighting the voice of women in basketball. Ooh, I like that too. I know that's. Now we're getting like so many good ideas. How are we going (laughs) to choose? (laughs) Coffee
1: and brainstorming.
0: That sounds good. Well, and Lisa also had an icebreaker suggestion that I'm going to share. So maybe we could start doing this one sometimes as well. Um, She says, I have an icebreaker suggestion. I had this thought after listening to the podcast where you told about Whiteside's huge fish tank and how he shipped his fish to Portland. (laughs) You had my undivided attention. So crazy interesting. And then there was the truck that landed in Evan Turner's pool. Who could make this stuff up, right? So my (laughs) suggestion is, rather than ask a question, the icebreaker could revolve around a fun fact about one of the Blazers. I personally would love that. I learned about both the fish and the truck in the pool from your podcasts. (laughs) I think that is a great suggestion. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. So you think we can awesome. probably put that into into practice? If not mm-hmm. every week, then I think I mean that could carry us for a really long time. Absolutely. So those are from Lisa. So Lisa, thank you so much for writing in. It was so excited to get your email and so happy to get to share what you uh, what you said. And then right before we logged on, we uh, got an email from Sam. And Sam has a great uh, observation about rebounds. So I wanted to share this. Sam says, I wanted to state my opinion on the subject of rebounds that came up a while ago. Russell Westbrook has averaged a triple-double for multiple seasons during his career, yet he hasn't won anything yet of mention in comparison to his peers like Durant, Curry, etc., I think the same of Whiteside. I like Whiteside. He seems cool, funny, generally just a nice dude. But I think he's a showman first and a player second. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It just is what it is. Some players, like Montrez Harrell, have a nose for the ball, and they battle 50-50 possessions away, which are not necessarily recorded as stats. Hassan, Hassan doesn't always play that way. He usually racks up a lot of uncontested rebounds. When he comes to play, his impact takes away players getting those hurtful, momentum-changing second-chance points. For example in my opinion, when Hassan doesn't seem engaged, he blocks a shot nonchalantly into the third row. And when he does, he keeps it in play and sends it to, keeps it for himself or sends it to a teammate. I think, um, was this from, this is from Sam. I think Sam has some excellent points about rebounds. Do either of you have any thoughts on that? I don't disagree. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good – I mean because it's really weird that there's a player who's getting such spectacular box score and yet there is a very vocal component of the fan base who is still not satisfied. So I'm trying to Mm -hmm. figure out like why not and I think Sam bringing up – that like some nights, yeah, some nights, those rebounds are into the stands and some nights they are right into the hand of his own teammates. And maybe, Uh you know, the nights where it's, you know, where he's doing more of those kinds of rebounds, it's more useful overall to the team. Yeah. And we know he can do it. Yeah. I, I tend to,
1: I tend to agree. Um, yeah, I tend to agree with this. And I think, the showman part is big for me too. Cause I think, but I also think that there's something to be said for that in basketball. There's something to be said about that person who's, you know, getting loud and, you know, making that big showcase because it adds fun to the game. It adds another level of competitiveness. Sometimes that's what a team needs. I mean, we already have players that are completely locked in and have that. So sometimes I think maybe the little, the fun element could be great
2: for a good dynamic. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that. Like, of course you don't always want to be, you know, turning the ball over, but there's something to be said about a really solid, like fly, sw- fly swatter block that goes into, you know, about the 10th row <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and what that's able to do for, for the fan base and just getting them involved in the game. And uh, I don't know, upping the, I guess upping the energy level, you know, if, if we need it, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And especially like, um, <laughs> balancing with somebody like Damien, who is a spectacular player who doesn't seem like he's not horsing around, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not joking. Like he is dialed in and there will be no, uh, horse play, right? Like no, no running into the next to the pool when Damien is around. Um, but like you said, sometimes, uh, having a little something else going on, on the field can take a little pressure off, can relieve mm-hmm. a little stress, can get the fans going. Um, and it's part of what we love about
1: watching Nurkic play. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think we have to think about that element too, is as a fan base, we seem to have completely fallen in love with Nurkic and his antics in that way. And so I think maybe embracing a little bit more of white sides for those who are having a hard time embracing Yeah. (laughs) It might be a good way to go about it.
2: This could be a slightly unpopular opinion and I hope I'm not like opening a can of worms, but, um, I kind of contrast it when like, I'm was always a huge fan of LaMarcus, you know, Mm -hmm. even to this day, like I believe, Mm -hmm. you know, people make decisions based on what they need in their own lives. But, um, when LaMarcus was with the team, I felt like he was always really consistent, but really quiet. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I'd be out chatting with either friends or fans or whatnot. And they're like, oh, he just doesn't do that much for the team. And I'm like, you know, he had a double-double last game or whatever the case may be. But he was so quiet about it that sometimes people forgot that he was being as productive as he was Mm -hmm. because he didn't have the flashy element. So I think sometimes you do need a little bit of both because it kind of, you know, awakens people up of like, oh, they're out there doing these incredible things.
0: I think that's a really great point. And it also kind of leads me to like what – what business of it is our, you know, to ours to like drill so da- deeply into whether or not that 21 points and eight, re- 18 rebounds was good. Of course it was good. You need yeah. 21 points. You win <laughs> yeah. by having more points than the other team. And when you get rebounds, that means the other team doesn't have the ball. Um, so it's, it's, it's been an interesting debate this year. Um, but I'm going to read the one last thing that Sam said because I want to uh, definitely bring it up. Sam also said, also, what happened to Rodney Hood? Has he fallen off the planet? I get scared that he's ditching us. It's odd. It's just odd that nobody even brings his name up since the surgery. So I want to make sure we bring up Rodney Hood. Um, yes. I don't – I have not I just, seen – go ahead.
1: I think we just – we know Rodney's going to be out for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. That's just how that injury works. I mean, it's a long, long recovery and it's important to take the time for a long recovery so that you can be fully recovered.
0: Yeah. And there's intense rehab for mm-hmm. the Achilles. And I, there was a picture. Of, oh, his son had a birthday. So there was, there yeah. were some pictures on Instagram of him not too long ago, wishing his uh, son a happy birthday. Yeah. I, <laughs> can't wait for him to join the team i heard that Scow was um did i hear that Scow was around the team um recently because i don't think he's gone away um while he's waiting on his knee getting better i hope we he- see him soon because i really want to see his suit next to Nurkic and zach collins's suit i want to know what he comes up with <laughs> we're all about those outfits you know what would be really funny is if one <laughs> night they switched and like uh like they started wearing each other's suits I mean I know Nurkic is a little bit bigger but like Zach Collins and Scal could maybe switch some suits so maybe that like turquoise blue one like Scal suddenly shows up in it I don't know I think it's, it's been a long season okay <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm still just waiting on Nurk to get a dog that he can identically dress (laughs) as himself
0: because
1: that's the best suggestion I think ever (laughs) Um,
0: Uh.
1: well I feel like on that note it might be time to wrap things
0: up you're probably right
1: (laughs) Um, so that's gonna do it for this week's hoops and talks podcast don't forget to follow the podcast on twitter at hoops and talks and just to subscribe to the show in the Blazers Edge podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If we haven't mentioned it already enough, we love your email. So send us your emails with your icebreaker ideas, questions, random facts about players you think we should talk about, or whatever you really want us to know. We're also still working on a playlist. So if you want to add some playlist things, send us your ideas at Talks at gmail.com you can find me at cast
0: the gamut on twitter tara how can people find you they can find me at tcb biggs and before we go kristen do you want to share how people can find you
2: um yeah actually i wish now that i would have looked it up but uh okay. twitter and instagram i think twitter is just my name kristen kirbach just spelled out kept really basic <laughs> right
0: on well thank you so much for joining us it was really fun to get to know more about what you've uh, done and i still have a lot more stories or questions about things that you were witness to so <laughs> hope to have you on again um so for kristen and for cassidy thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you later